I'm Margaret, your host, and this is The Road to Tinue, a King Keller Chronicle fan podcast, where we explore all things related to the works of Patrick Rothfuss. Spoiler warning, these discussions will cover all of his works, so if you haven't read them, you may hear something you're not expecting. Today we're joined by a Facebook moderator, Hannah. Hello, Hannah. How's The Road to Tinue? Hello. Things are pretty good. I'm getting over being sick, but feeling better. I'm enjoying our group reread that we're doing. Yeah, that's, uh, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening on there. The, uh, for those of you that don't know, the King Killer Chronicles Facebook page is also having a reread, a group reread, where every week we cover seven chapters? Um, it kind of varies. Okay. Um, but just a chunk. A chunk. Some of the weeks when there's a story or something that has a lot of depth to it, it's only like one or two chapters. Okay. And then we spend the following week having discussions about it. And it just started, so it's not too late to jump in. Definitely not. How did you learn about the series? I used to be a member of Shelfari, which was... Uh, really similar to Goodreads and somebody there recommended it to me and I kind of picked it up on a whim, not expecting it to be as great as it was and was favorably impressed. And once I got the first one, of course I had to buy the second one immediately and I've been buying anything that Pat puts out since then. You're lucky you didn't have to wait too long between the first and second one. I know shove some people up the wall yeah I had no wait between the first and second one because the second one was already out um so counting well I don't know counting not counting the current reread how many times have you read the series um I'm really not sure just because I didn't actually like intentionally count um I know I've read them at least three or four times and then sometimes especially if I'm like flushing out a theory or somebody mentioned something that I find really interesting, I'll reread just a specific section just to sort of refresh on what we're discussing. When you're doing your rereads, do you like to focus on certain things or do you just reread them for pleasure or? Um, the first time I definitely just reread for pleasure. And then since then I try to focus on at least one thing. Um, the first, I tried to focus on figuring out the calendar that's a good one. Uh, yeah, it didn't work out well. <laughs> and then I tried to focus on aligning the lunar cycle with the calendar. Oh. And that really, really didn't go well. <laughs> um, but I've had some things where I feel like I sort of learned more from looking at specific things instead of just rereading without any sort of Without anything specific that I'm looking at, I guess. What are you focusing on for this reread? Well, for this one, since I'm doing it with a lot of different people, um, I'm not really focusing on just one specific thing. But one of the things that I found really interesting, somebody talked on the boards about how uh, the curses that people use hmm. could be used to sort of track their location or relate people together. And while I don't agree that you can necessarily link people together using the curses. 
I do feel like the languages that we use and the, especially the curses that people use, probably can tell you sort of where they come from. So that's one of the things that I'm kind of tracking. And I'm hoping at the very least that I can place noir based on the curses that the people there use, if nothing else. All right. I've always thought that, um, I don't know, that maybe it's on the other side of the mountains. I, oh, the other side of that. Well, they say uh, they didn't think they would have made it that far west. So I feel like it has to be oh. on the western side of the mountains. That makes sense. See, you're already better at reading it than I am. <laughs> I've just read it so many times that a lot of the details are, are very much stuck in there. Yeah. For now, I'm assuming it's in the, I guess, like, southeastern part of Vint. Okay. But that's just speculation. All I know is that it's in the middle of nowhere. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> so, How do you pronounce that, actually? Uh. Because I get the joke that it's in the middle of nowhere, I just say nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. At first, I was I was noir, like the very first time I was reading it. But once I caught on, once I cottoned on to that joke, <laughs> in my head at least, that's it's just nowhere. Which yeah, it definitely uh, seems like it's just the middle of nowhere. Yeah. So what's exciting about the rereading for me? hearing everybody else's theories and all their stuff and also it kind of slakes my thirst for book three yeah and uh i think one of the really big questions about book three is the doors of stone and what's behind them and what do you think i think and this has kind of always been one of my like favorite pet theories but i think that the doors of stone lead to sort of a separate realm and I've always described it in my head and sometimes out loud as a, like a shadow realm, but it's just sort of where uh, they would lock away beings or creatures that are too dangerous to let them just wander around in the fae or mortal realm. And so whenever I uh, see the like shadow hamed and yoked to shadow, I think that that's sort of just talking about uh, Halix's connection to Yaks who is beyond the doors of stone in that shadow realm. That's why he's described as yoked to shadow and shadow hanged. So you think he's connect, like they're connected, but they're not necessarily the same person. Um, yeah, I think that they're connected. I think that Lonro went beyond the doors of stone to see Yaks and that Yaks bestowed him with some of his naming power in exchange for him doing something. I have not at all figured out what that something would be. <laughs> Um, and I think that that's why he can't die. I think that that's why his name has yaks in it. Um, and I think that that's how he got that power all of a sudden out of nowhere when everybody said he had no naming prowess before. That's a good theory. Well, the first time I read Name of the Wind, I thought that it was just more books. Dangerous books are behind this door. Because I was reading it at a very shallow level the first time. And then um, after I read The Wise Man's Fear and after I, I, I reread both of them again, I thought perhaps that it was... Uh, I have a theory that all of the Waystones are... They lead 
to their roads to Fae, mm-hmm. but like literal roads, like you touch them and then you go into like a realm that will connect you to the Fae realm. Okay, and so then, like a limbo type thing. Yeah, and that the doors of stone open up into that area. So it's also a separate area, like you said, but a different kind. Okay. Obviously, there's the doors underneath underneath the archives. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's any other doors? I think that there's one on the Lackless Lands, definitely. Um, and then, just because he calls it the Four Corners Realm, or Four Corners World, it kind of appeals to me to think that there's, like, one at each corner. So then there would be one... Let me look at this map so I make sure I'm not messing things up. So then if there's one in Ventus and one in the Commonwealth, there would be one maybe in Aetor and one of the small kingdoms. Okay. I don't know where you would make corners, really, but maybe the Kales and Adamra. But I like the idea that there are four of them. I also like that. Looking at the map, too, there's, there's not a lot to go on there. There's really not. Yeah. I, uh, I'm hoping that we'll get a more in-depth map after the third book comes out. That'd be, that'd be nice. What yeah. about this little bit of purple underneath Yill? At oh, I'm map. in the book. Um, so there's no color. Yeah, there's, uh, so you've got, the map I'm looking at has got the Commonwealth, the Rift, and like a mountainy area, Yill, and then there's like a little tail off of Yill, like it's something else. Oh, okay, it's just not labeled, so I can't tell that it's different. Yeah. Sorry, I'm going to pull up the map on his website. Okay. And that way I can, yeah, I really don't know. <laughs> is it related to Ventus? Like, is it like how we have random bits that we own land, but it's not connected? Seems kind of odd, the Turn Empire. Oh, you I feel know, like this can't possibly be color coded accurately. If it is color coded properly, I agree that it might be part of Ventus. Because it but is if it's a similar purple. Properly, I can't imagine how the Turn Empire holds on to those like three little parts that are nowhere near them and have multiple other <laughs> places between them. Well, I mean, how do we hold on to Puerto Rico and Guam? True enough. Maybe they like being part of the Eternal Empire, which is what I like to hope about Puerto Rico and Guam. <laughs> One of the things that I noticed when I was thinking about the part of what got me thinking that behind the doors of stone might be a roadway that's linked to the waystones is the fact that the archives is described as a waystone more than once, I think, when he's describing it, he's, he look, he's like, it's like a giant gray stone standing in the middle of <laughs> black, or gray and featureless. And... Yeah, he does. I hadn't really noticed that uh, parallel. Now I'll be looking for it. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to get to university pretty soon in our reread. I'll have to pay attention to the descriptions of the archives. Yeah. And then do you think that there's 
any special clues hidden in the description of Valeritas, the doors in, under the archives? Honestly, no, just because they talk about the copper and stuff like that. And I feel like that would have been added later once they sort of built the university up around it and realized that copper either can't be named or is very, very difficult to name. So it's like since that exists largely or since I think that that exists largely just to protect the doors of stone from namers, if Valeritas is actually one of the doors of stone, then I feel like looking at it through that protection can't really necessarily tell you a lot about the doors of stone. Maybe that's just me. No, that's that's fair. When you read the description, do you think that the keyholes that are described, are they in the copper or are they on the stone? Because it's all flush. Yeah. I want to look at that section again. I uh, When I picture it in my head, I didn't really picture any keyholes, but now I'm actually going to look up the description because it's going to drive me insane otherwise. That's, I'm not a Kindle reader, just because I love the feel of books, but that's one thing that I actually really like about having a Kindle, is I can search for things and not have to remember what page they're on. Yes. Okay, I found it. It was solid and unmoving as a gray stone. Alright, I'm gonna read a little bit. Yeah. It was quite by accident that I found the four-plate door. It was made of a solid piece of graystone, the same color as the surrounding walls. Its frame was eight inches wide, also gray, and also one single seamless piece of stone. The door and frame fit together so tightly that a pin couldn't slide into the crack. It had no hinges, no handle, no window or sliding panel. Its only features were four hard copper plates. They were set flush with the face of the door, which was flush with the front of the frame, which was flush with the wall surrounding it. You could run your hand from one side of the door to the next and hardly feel the lines at all. In spite of these notable lacks, the expanse of gray stone was undoubtedly a door. It simply was. Each copper plate had a hole in its center, and though they were not shaped in the conventional way, they were undoubtedly keyholes. So that answers that question. Yeah. Did they put the keyholes into the copper because there were keyholes behind the copper and like they wanted to still be able to open the door or did are the keyholes just to get the copper off I don't know yeah I really don't know <laughs> that's one of those things that's going to drive me crazy if it doesn't end up being answered in book three like there's so much like I know he can't possibly answer every question that people have but I feel like that's like one of the like weird little secrets that it's gonna really irk me if it's not answered well if what? he yeah, if, if it's called the doors of stone and he doesn't answer that question <laughs> <clears throat> yeah yeah and I guess too if we see how one of the doors of stone is opened then at the very least, we'll know if there are keyholes. So I'm assuming that Quoth is going to open one of the doors of stone in book three. Thus bringing about disaster. Yes. Though actually, I guess there probably would have to be one in the storm wall, even though it's not on the map, just because 
that's where the Skrill came from, and I assume they came through the Doors of Stone. Well, if they came over the mountains, the Door of Stone could have been in Ademaray, because there's still a pretty good chunk of mountains between... That's true. I just was kind of assuming that they came straight over the mountains. Just because even in a tiny town in the middle of nowhere, I'd imagine, like, giant, freaky spider things um, would be something that would be mentioned. Even if it was just sort of passed off as crazy legends from all these outsiders, they would still be talking about it. Yeah. So maybe nowhere is near the mountains? Yeah. But then, if they came this far west yet, over the mountains, but nowhere is still near the mountains, maybe we'll go beyond the mountains. I just said mountains too many times. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hoping that we will. Just cause, well, I think we will, just because I feel like both is gonna gonna go to the tall. And isn't that past the Stormwall Mountains? I always thought it was like south down down the ocean oh. but that makes sense if it's east of the Stormwall Mountains that makes sense I wish this map was more complete <laughs> we are not alone in wishing that definitely not I'm sure I'm sure it was done purposefully oh I'm sure it was yeah. and I'm sure that once they fill in the details we'll be like here are all the things that we could have figured out before he wanted us to if we had all these details I'm sure I'll have fun on my first reread after a giant map is uh, released. <laughs> going through and just like charting everything. Because I think it was a stretch goal for uh, the fundraiser, I want to say in 2014. But maybe I'm just going crazy. <laughs> Builder stretch goals map. Hmm. I vaguely remember him uh, saying this, but I don't know. Dad. Oh, it was 2013. Okay. $600,000 stretch goal. Did we make it? I thought so. Well, a lot of the stretch goals that are towards the end of the um towards the end of the fundraiser don't always get like they get met, but nothing comes of it. Oh, really? Yeah. I was kind of just thinking uh that it would be one of those things that, like, we would get, but not until after book three came out. <laughs> That's possible. If, and really, if uh, Tunes from Tamarind has a couple of the songs that I really hope will be on it, um, and my headcanon is anywhere near correct, or just the songs are as significant as I want them to be, then I think we wouldn't get those until after book three is out either. Oh. Because okay. I feel like... Because I... I don't know why I think this, but I think that knowing the story of uh, Sir Savian and Halloween, I feel like it would give us information about the books that we're not supposed to have yet. Okay. But that's just, I don't know why I think that. It's just headcanon. No, I understand. <laughs> I understand the importance of headcanon and how powerful it can be as a motivator. <laughs> But I am hoping that that's on uh, Tunes for Tamarind. I'm excited for Tunes from Tamarind. Me too. To that. I, um, if they wait 
to release it until after book three. I'm really hoping that um, Quote's father's song. Ooh, that would be amazing. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Let that yeah, there's a lot that I'm going to want to be on there. It's, <clears throat> it's just eight different renditions of Tinker Tanner. Yeah. <laughs> I would be okay with uh, buying a CD that was just eight different renditions of Tinker Tanner, actually. <laughs> as long as there were more uh, more tunes from Time Rant CDs in the works. <laughs> I know I really want to hear, even though uh, her name used to be Anna Smith, but she got married. Um, but she made a version of uh, Jackass Jackass that I really enjoy. But I want to hear uh, Pat's version. <laughs> Preferably the version including the apology letter, which came with extra verses. Yes. <laughs> I, there's, yeah, music is just such an important element. I will be so excited when we get the music from this. I'm imagining listening to the CD and rereading and drinking out of one of the Aeolian mugs. And <laughs> I'm regretting not buying one of those. <laughs> Do they have any in the shop? Not yet, but I'm hoping that they'll be added on Black Friday. Oh, okay, um, yeah. They said they're releasing. Yeah, some some new stuff. And I know I knew that they would wait until fulfillment for the fundraiser was done. Because um, obviously you don't want to send out new stuff or be selling new stuff until everybody that ordered it initially gets it. Um, yeah. So I'm hoping, I'm regretting not buying a Dracus plushie. They're so cute. I didn't think they would be that cute. I didn't think I would want one. But uh, so I'm hoping that that gets added as well. Do you have an owl bear? A domesticated owl bear? I do not. That... I. They're pretty cute too, but they're not as cute as a dracus. I definitely need a dracus. I'm gonna have to explain all this to my husband later. <laughs> <laughs> badly no, I'll just send in my uh, receipt and be like here's what you bought me for Christmas you're so sweet <laughs> I just you love so you much. <laughs> it usually works um, one of the one of the things that I read about Valeritas and the fact that maybe there are four doors because of the four corners of civilization is perhaps behind each door is one of the doors of forgetting. I saw that too, actually. Yeah, the sleep, forgetting, sanity, and death. Yes. And I don't know. Thought. Like, how would that be behind the doors? I wonder. Well, and if that were the case, I feel like Haliax would be able to just go behind one of those four doors since they've all been locked to him um, in the normal ways that you would get there. I feel like he would be able to just sort of give up on whatever he's trying to do and go beyond the doors of stone and or the right door of stone. Maybe that's why they're hidden and so hard to open is because... Because they don't want him going through. 
True enough. If that theory is true, which one do you think that Valeritas would be? So when I hear Valeritas, I always think Veritas, which is I do too, truth. Mm -hmm. So I would say sanity. Okay. I read somewhere. I don't remember where. Um, that, uh, I'm trying to find where I ha found this. Maybe I just made it up. <laughs> um, never mind. I'm just going crazy. It's fine. <laughs> You've gone crazy. I need to, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I need to come back. Maybe somebody will let me out. Another interesting theory that I read was that the keyholes that don't look like keyholes but are definitely keyholes undeniably keyholes are Taberlin's coin key candle and maybe copper sword okay and that uh, the gifts that Ari has been giving him yeah. include those things well like not a copper sword but the key coin and candle yeah I love that she gives him Tamerlan's tools. Yeah. Oh, Ari. Who are you? She's one of my favorites. I'm going to be so sad if she dies. Don't say that. I'm not ready to think about that. <laughs> I can't help but think about it. I just feel like if she was still in the other thing and still had need of that place to be, Kote would not be sharing that part of his story. Or Kote. I think that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. But I feel like he would leave her out or sort of gloss over the parts about where she lives if she still lived there. Maybe she doesn't live there and she's fine. She just moved into a nice house somewhere. That's my hope, but <laughs> this is a tragedy. I know. Y'all know what kind of story we're listening to. I always assumed that he had to kill Denna or that Denna died in some fashion because of actions that he took. This goes back to my headcanon with Halloween and Sir Savian. Um, I kind of liked the idea that she witnessed him doing something that she could not understand and couldn't get past. So she's still alive, but she absolutely hates him. Because I feel like in a way, it's way worse to have somebody that you love understandably hating you than to just lose them. And people always say that the Celis flowers outside of the inn are a memorial, but I wonder if they're an invitation instead. Oh, that's nice. Unless yeah. Unless answered. <laughs> well, I think maybe you're right in that she's still alive because one of the things Pat has said was that if the stories were from her point of view, she would look at both the same way like we would think of quote the same way we think of Denna mm -hmm. like she would be the hero which means you know heroes usually survive to tell their story before they die yeah so hopeful hopeful yeah we'll see I, I try to remember that this is a tragedy so that I'm not too uh too horrified when all of my favorite characters die and the ones that live are miserable <laughs> I just know that however he kills off all of my favorite characters, I'm sure it will be beautiful. Yes. That's that that's the comfort I'm I'm choosing to find. <laughs> it will be beautiful. 
Yes, absolutely. If it wasn't a tragedy, I think I would still cry because it'll be over. Well, it won't be the last we see of Temerant. That's true, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah. And I am... Laniel. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm looking forward, ah, in the very distant future, to someday yes. hearing more about her. <laughs> Maybe not so distant. I think he was reading sections from it, like, a, two or three years ago. I don't even know what they were. Interviews, readings. Maybe he'll finish both at approximately the same time. We'll see. We'll see. What I look forward to is the big book of Temerant, and it can have maps and information yes. about the different like an almanac counties. yeah that would be amazing i want a guide to all the edemic hand gestures <laughs> i don't know that yeah. we'll ever get it but i would love that i like that and have you seen the t-shirt yes i actually have the t-shirt i was very excited about it <laughs> i bought one for my husband too but he doesn't get it and hasn't worn it is he not much of a reader he reads nonfiction, so he's not a fun reader, <laughs> but he has promised that uh, if the show actually happens, he will watch it to me, and he will even listen to me complain about whatever aspects <laughs> deviate from the books in ways that I find displeasing, so I figure I'll get him into it if it's a TV show. There you go. Maybe uh, if Pat writes a reference book about the world, maybe he'll want to read that. Especially if it's about cooking processes. <laughs> Is, uh, he, he's a cooker? What? Yeah, he's a chef. Cooker? Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've, I've lived abroad too long when I see things like that. It happens. <laughs> Do you have any other big ideas on the Doors of Stone or this, the book, The Doors of Stone? Not really. I... I worry that we're not going to get to finish Kvothe's story. Like, I feel like he can't possibly tie up day three of the story that Code is telling and reach any sort of suitable ending in the present day. So I feel like either we're going to get halfway through what brings Kvothe there and then things are going to start happening in the present day, or... It's going to be like, and this is the end of my story. Bye, guys. Like, now I'm sure. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of, uh, I'm kind of nervous that something has to be left open. I feel like he can't possibly tie everything up in just one book that's slightly shorter than Wise Man's Fear. Is it supposed to be shorter? He described it as almost as long. So I would say yes. Maybe he was just saying that so people wouldn't get too excited about having a 10,000-page book. Come on, Rothfuss, we need 10,000 pages. I would love 10,000 pages. <laughs> Although it would make a reread take a really long time. <laughs> well, there's only a couple words on each page, so... <laughs> that would not make me happy. <laughs> I imagine that to wrap everything up, He'll get to the point where, and then I died, and that's how Coat was born. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, and then like, the Shandrian or the Amir or something come in and burn down the inn, and he deals with it. 
Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> or else Chronicler just goes off and fast kills him or not. The end. <laughs> but, I mean, uh, they have to talk more about the war. Things yeah. being what they are. Well, especially if creatures like the Skrail are in the mortal realm just running amok. Yeah, yeah. The Skinwalker. <laughs> yeah. It's not great. Well, I would like to thank you for being my first guest on thank the road you. to I had fun, uh, fun chatting. Same, and I hope that we can talk again. Yeah, and I'm sure there are other... Uh, other fans from the group who will uh, have a lot to say as well. <laughs> and I'm sure if we've made any mistakes, they will be quite clear in telling us about them. Oh, I'm sure. All Anything right, well, that uh, requires clarification or correction, <laughs> I'm sure will be pointed out. All right. Well, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the first episode of The Road to Tinue. Music by Mark Haas. You can find Mark Haas on YouTube and at markhaasmusic.com. If you want to reach me with questions, comments, etc., please email roadtotinue at gmail.com. That's road, the number two, tinue at gmail.com. I know this sounds not great. Please be patient while I'm learning. During the episode, we mentioned the store. That would be the Tinker's Pack, where you can find oodles of Kingkiller Chronicles merchandise and all sorts of other goodies. The Tinker's Pack supports World Builders, which is still having its year-end fundraiser. If you're listening to this, you probably already know about the fundraiser and have heard Pat's spiel. All I can say is that it's all true. If you donate, you're going to feel great and you have a chance to win fabulous prizes. For every $10 you donate, you will be entered into the prize lottery. And, right now, up to a million dollars worth of donations are being matched. That means $10 just became 20 and that 20 can buy a flock of ducks. Ducks that eat insects, create fertilizer, and provide eggs, an instant form of protein, income, and more ducks. A flock of ducks can turn a family's life around, and you can be responsible for that with just $10. Plus, warm fuzzies and possible prizes. So please, go to worldbuilders.org, check it out, and donate today. Thanks for listening.